Hey, hey, Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. It's been a hot minute since we've been here, but we are back. I am Ron Luce, joined tonight by the one and only Juice and the one and only Cody Delmendo. Gentlemen, how are we doing now that Cubs baseball has come and gone? We can breathe and we can reflect on the 2021 season. How's everybody doing? <laughs> no uh, one wants to go first. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll go first. Uh, well, uh, Ron, uh, I'm just glad we didn't lose 100 games, I guess. Um, it was a roller coaster. You know, they always say that it's a roller coaster. It really was a roller coaster this year. Um, not the worst Cub season of my life, but uh, maybe one of the most memorable think in 10 years we're going to look back at this season and still remember it and remember the trade deadline and uh remember you know like we're, we're going to be talking about andrew chafin in 10 years still we'll be like cubs legend you know what i mean and we'll be talking about you know the kimbrel trade if nick magical turns out to be great you know and even cody hoyer um we'll be talking about Frank Schwindel, if he's either with the team or if he's, you know, just that, you know, just a half season wonder. I don't know. Uh, We can talk a lot more about him here soon. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of things we'll remember in 10 years even. And I think that's a little bit unique. Um, But all things considered, it it was not fun. Uh, It wasn't, there were only, there were the the best time of the entire season was definitely between May and June, somewhere in there. Um, And then after that, before that, it sucked. Uh, After that, it sucked. Um, It was kind of fun in beginning of September where they kind of got hot for a little bit, won like seven in a row. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'm just glad it's over. I, like I'm, you know, we love the Cubs here and, I can't tell you how ready I was for the season to just be over. Cause it's like, I couldn't even like find a reason to tweet about him anymore. Like, like when I can't even find a reason to tweet about him, like, I feel like that says, <laughs> I mean, I was resulting to just finding any way to shit on the Cardinals for the last two weeks, which has come back to haunt me. I'm surprised people aren't just like quote tweeting me with old screenshots or something like receipts or something. <laughs> It is what it is. I'm just saying, though. I like. mean, just but you gotta you gotta continually remind people, Cody, that Patrick Wisdom was traded for effectively a washing machine. He was though. He really washing machine a little bit too much for the return. I think. I think it was more like a bag of chips that were stepped <laughs> on, probably popped and expired. But I mean, here nor there. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Juice, how are you feeling, sir? Now that the the season has come and gone, as Cody put it, truly, perfectly, and poetically. Uh, the roller coaster ride that was. Yeah, you know, he always talks about that roller coaster. We all do. We sit here and, and first, let me start and just thank all the listeners for the year. I Absolutely. think that's the, you know, we take a lot of time to do this, and the fact that people enjoy it and they tune in every night to hear what we have to say, even though we're not sitting in there with the, in the dugout with these guys or, you know, have a personal relationship is pretty cool. I I want to thank all you guys too. I think it was pretty fun to sit here and have legit conversations in a time where it seems like conversations aren't able to be had around the world. I don't know if you're able to look around you, but uh, yeah, it's hard to sit here and like, we never like have the same opinion, right? All of us are always kind of in a different realm, but we always have fun with it. And I think this is cool to like 
be able to sit here and do this here nor there. Now let's go into the Cubs. I'd feel a lot better about, you know, what transpired if Matt Nagy wasn't also giving me heartburn on the back end, but that's here nor there. Like, that also doesn't compute. So like sticking around at the end of the year was like Cody said, it was tough. Um, absolutely hard to watch Cubs games. Um, I can only imagine what it was like in the dugout, you know, just to sit there and, and like, know that you're realistically playing for nothing. They were trying to play spoiler to a lot of these teams, but let's mm -hmm. be honest, like there's no risk. You know what I mean? It's when you're playing spoiler, if you win, it's like, it's like found money. It's like playing with house money. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Like it was fun. Definitely in that little span of whatever month, month and a half. But yeah, I got a funny feeling like, transitioning kind of into the offseason, which we'll talk about a lot, that a level of Cubs anger was met during the year, and it will be just totally just blown away if they are unable to turn this around quickly. Because I think that they haven't sold this as a breakdown for full rebuild. If you listen to the way they talk – they're more or less saying that there are things we can do to be back in a contention as soon as next year, which, hey, I love the aggressive push, but they're also hedging their bet behind their words as well. If you mm -hmm. listen to Jed Hoyer and how he's like, yeah, we're going to be really active in free agency, but we're also going to spend smart money. And that's his out. At the end of the year, he can come and say, we didn't get this guy because it, we, it was too much. You know, or we didn't feel like he fit our, our system for that amount of dollars, which I think like the season, we're going to sit back and look and say, yeah, this was brutal to watch. But if they don't come back with a huge name or two to reset this whole thing, I think that the backlash that the Cubs will receive will be 10 times the amount than when they traded mainstays of the team because. The first thing is you trade these guys and you restart. The second thing is, is now you, you, you got to surround those guys with the same kind of talent that you surrounded the first group with. Mm -hmm. And if you take off a seat, an off season, then you're putting yourself behind the eight ball for another year. And it's yeah. another year that that Southside team keeps making the playoffs and they're the swirls and rumors around you that you are unable as an ownership group and as a leadership team to fill those stands with a good baseball team, that's what boils the pot over. So everybody yelled at the Rickets throughout the year. You traded th this guy, this guy, this guy. Pause for now for yelling at the team until we see what they do in free agency. Because if they don't do anything, I, a guy who did not yell very loud at the Rickets, will be the one yelling and screaming because there is no reason not to at least make a few splashes. Yeah. And, uh, Joe couldn't be with us tonight. Uh, another one of the, the four mainstays here comes on tap, but he did send us some of his thoughts uh, kind of ahead of time. And, and I, I think Joe and you juice can kind of align on one thing. And that's like, Hey, you don't need to try and go be the Yankees this off season, right? You don't need to go buy everybody, buy a couple people that you really truly see two, three, four years from now being a part of this team when it's competing, right? Like to me again, Am I being biased perhaps a little bit? Like Marcus Stroman is a pitcher that fits well for Wrigley. You know, he's a ground ball pitcher. He's very athletic. He's a good defensive pitcher as well. He's won a gold glove. You know, so 
that's the kind of guy that we've seen thrive with the Cubs, right? We, we've seen a, a Kyle Hendricks thrive in Chicago. Uh, we've seen Alec Mills at times show incredible flashes of potential. And realistically, he's probably your fifth starter in 2022 at minimum. Uh, plus, he's super cheap, too, which which helps. And I, I, I agree with you, Juice. I, I, I really do think they need to do something. I don't need. I don't think they need to go above and beyond and go crazy, but they need to do something, right? Because right now, I look at this team and kind of what you said, right? Those guys for the next wave. Well, to me right now, looking at this team, I see... Brennan Davis, probably in that picture. I see Nick Madrigal in that picture. Probably Nico Horner in that picture. Probably Wilson Contreras, all things considered. And that's really about it right now, I think, on this roster. That I can comfortably sit here and say, I, like, I think post-2022, the, they'll still be here. I think for the back end that Ian Happ had, he's probably pretty safe, considering the options oh, sure. that are in left field. Sure, sure, sure. But, I mean, I, I'm saying more from, like, kind of what you said, right? Like, that next core. Right. Yeah, I I think Ian's gonna get a shot to still be a part of that though, based on his yeah. Absolutely, I think that that's that's one that you could still kind of hang on, just strictly because of the the amount of money he'll make next year. And I mean, it's worth another. There, let's be honest here, guys. They're gonna try to compete, but they're probably gonna be closer to five hundred, even if they make splashes in free agency and pull all the right, you know, strings. Right. There's probably still gonna be a five hundred baseball team at best next year. That's my opinion. Oh, sure. And that's, I mean, because they're still going to be behind on pitching. And I, other than Marcus Stroman, there's, that's the move to me too. I agree with you on that. But minus that, there's not really anything that jumps out of the page like, yeah, need that guy, in my opinion. I would argue maybe Robbie Ray. That's a guy that a lot of people have been sprinkling into the limelight that I actually like. I kind of forgot too that he's still really, really. Yeah, he's. I think he's. I think he'll be thirty at the start of next season. Yeah. So like, he's still, and he's the one I'd be okay with. Right, right. But outside of those two, I absolutely agree with you. Like, because they're also still kind of young enough where I say, okay, I can still see them pitching on this team in four years when you know Christian Hernandez or Ed Howard or somebody like that's at shortstop. When you got guys like Brian Jensen are probably going to be in the rotation. Like when those guys start to come along, like I'm, I'm expecting one of those two guys could be here come that time. Um, really quick, because I, I want to continue this uh, conversation because I know, Cody, you're going to have some good thoughts on kind of some of these topics as well. I, I do want to share a loyal listener this year, Juice, you mentioned to people that tuned in all the time. Scott from Iowa, Scott Crawford, diehard listener. We appreciate the hell out of you, Scott. We, we've appreciated you all season. Wanted to share his best moments of the year. The Cubs combined no-hitter was pretty sweet. Wisdom breaking the home run record I think was a very big, a bright spot uh, in this season. And then, yes, Cody – demolishing a bottle of uh, mayo. Hey, but Cody, in fairness, that started the run in May and June of the Cubs' ascension. So, like, at that moment in time, that was was a very monumental (laughs) part of the season. I don't want to know what the Cubs' record is since I inhaled a bottle of mayo. I I was able to run with that for, like, a good, what, like, month and a half? At least. Yeah, you were were on fire for a while there. They, they I'm surprised, up. like all the people who hate the Cubs that follow me or whatever, haven't like used that and like I don't know, just <laughs> like Twitter's Twitter can be a, like a very, very meme place. Like I, I think it's always a meme place. That's just meme. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm surprised no one like there's a lot of bad tweets out there for me. Like I was like in May, I was like this team, uh, they're they got the major league role, like they're just defying ownership in the front office, and they're just like having fun and you know finding ways to win and. And then they shit their pants after they threw a combined no no hitter. Um, so 
Yeah. You guys said a lot of good things, though. I mean, and thanks to Scott. He's always, like you said, Ron, he's always listening. I want to shout out to uh, Dope Redbeard, uh, a.k.a. Aaron. Uh, shout out to uh, base, Baseball Bouge. Uh, shout out to uh, the Dingers podcast. I know some other guys watch our show, too. Um, I, there's so many other people. I'm just think those are like the ones off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, like I said, there was a lot of really cool moments and moments I feel like we'll remember even five years down the line. But it's just at the end of the day, it was just like it was just a, it's a season that you want to forget because the trade deadline was terrible in terms of just how it felt. Um, not saying the trades were bad. I'm saying just like, you know what we're what I mean by that. Just mm-hmm. heartbreaking stuff. Your um, heart being ripped from your chest. <laughs> right. As yeah. far as like what Juice said about like, you know, making moves in the offseason and stuff and like because I'm I'm kind of in line with him. Like I like even since they decided to rip the band-aid off. And at that point, like I was on board with it because it's like, all right, we're 10, 11 games out of first place. You know, at that time, it seemed like the wild card was going to be ran away with the Dodgers and the Padres. And fuck the Padres for letting the Cardinals look like a fucking Cinderella team. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. Um, but, uh, you, you know, at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Except for you, Darvish. Still love you. Um, but at that time, it just felt like there was no way the Cubs were going to have a chance even at the wild card. So it was right to make the moves. Even though on the the day of the trade deadline, I had some slimmer of hope that, especially with that last half hour where Chris Bryant was available or was still on the roster, and even like in the last fifteen minutes, he was still on the roster, and I was thinking maybe they're just gonna extend him. I I really got up for the letdown on that one, Uh, and then they trade him. It is what it is. Uh, But as far as like you know doing what you say, like. I think there's a fine line on like what kind of moves. Like I feel like the Cubs need to go out and make moves like they did in 2015 or like the 2015 or the offseason before the 2015 season. So I guess the 2014 offseason where they signed John Lester, they traded for Dexter Fowler, they traded for Miguel Montero, um, you know, threw in a com- bunch of other moves. And then they, you know, they had surprises out of, you know, the bullpen. Like Justin Graham came up and had like his one really great season in 2015, you know, like they're going to need stuff like that. If the, if the, if the 2015 or if the 2022 team is going to, you know, be in the running for division or wild card, like, cause I would say like, go spend all the money. If this team was just set up to, you know, go on a run next year, but they're not because they still have guys in the minors who aren't ready, except for Brennan Davis, Brennan Davis. If they get the CBA figured out in the off season right away, which if baseball is smart, if the MLB is smart, they get that shit done right away. That way they can get free agency going at the winter meetings. As soon as the world series is done. If that, if there's one smart thing that, that they would ever do is to do that. Not like, mm-hmm. let this go on and on and let the free agency not start until like a month before, uh, a month before uh, spring training and God forbid there be a strike. If that's a thing, you know what I mean? So like that, that's like, that's the big thing first is to get that figured out. And hopefully, you know, the DH is going to be a thing and hopefully they get rid of that second runner on second base rule. I know people are in or out. I, I just, I don't know. And if they're not, if they're going to keep that, then they need to limit the shifts. Uh, if, if I had to choose one of those two, you got to fix one of them because 
having them having unlimited shifts and the second base runner on second base rule in extra innings gives me heartburn, but I'm kind of zoning off here. But as, as you know, as far as like moves and stuff, yeah, I'm, I'm in on Stroman. I would love Castellanos to come back because he's going to opt out, no doubt. And he's going to get $25 million. I'm interested to see what Schwarber, Bryant and Rizzo do in the postseason. Um, you know, obviously Schwarber or Rizzo, one of them will have a short postseason because they're going to play each other tomorrow. But, um, you know, I, I feel like players get like, they'll get that extra little, little tip in the, in the free agency. If they just have a huge postseason, especially if they've consistently been good throughout the year. So I feel like Anthony Rendon's like a good example. I thought he he was a really good player in 2019, but he had an insane postseason as well, and that led to him getting like a three hundred million dollar contract. I like Chris Bryant would have to have an insane postseason for him to get that like a three hundred million dollar contract. Because even after the Cubs trade him, he was good, but he wasn't MVP Chris Bryant. He was just very solid, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see if like any of them have something like that because that will affect their free agent, you know, market in in the long run. Um, but not so much. It's just a little bit because at the end of the day, teams are looking at what you're doing over a span of 162 more so than what you're doing in the postseason. But uh, yeah, no, I just uh, if I'm with you, Juice. Like if they don't, if if they if they don't make a major move, then it's going to be hard to be like it's going to be hard to to lay with the people who are continuously yelling at Tom Ricketts and I've been someone who's been who's been yelling at Tom Ricketts because like we should have never got here we should have extended Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo or in Javi Baez years ago you know what I mean or at least two of them we, we should have done it we should have done it. and that's why I've like the reason this season happened it it's like that's it, it just goes back to Tom Ricketts in my opinion but then you can also argue you know we paid you Darvish all that money Jason Hayward's contract you know, didn't loom large in 16, 17 and 18. But after that, it's loomed large. And like, that's that is what it is. So part of me is like understanding. But also at the same time, the Cubs are a top five market baseball team and they should be able to deal with Jason Hayward's contract and still, you know, put a consistently competitive product out there. That's just what, like that's the fact of the matter. And that's like that's where I can understand where Cubs fans just have no faith in Tom Ricketts like that. Like that, like I, that's why what I'll always understand. So, you know, like that's, there's a lot of questions and it's going to look real bad after Tom Ricketts literally went on marquee and was like, I expect us to be in the division race next year, like competing for it. He literally went on marquee, not even a week after the trade deadline and said that. You know, when we all remember everything Jed said on ESPN 1000 and 670 the score and, you know, basically throwing shots back at Brian and Rizzo, it is what it is. At the end of the day, money talks. You know, I don't think those two players have any ill will at the Cubs, especially Chris Bryant, maybe Anthony Rizzo. I don't fucking know. Either way, though, like once those guys see what their market is on the market, maybe who knows, maybe that will open their eyes and maybe the Cubs weren't off. Like maybe they weren't far off it. It's going to take the team. That's going to just be willing to pay them the most. Like Anthony Rizzo mm-hmm. wants a Paul Goldschmidt contract. All right. Who's going to give it to him? 
I don't think the Cubs should give it to him. I don't. I know he's been okay and in, in with the Yankees, but he hasn't been Paul Goldschmidt level. Let's yeah. like that's the fact of the matter. Chris Bryant, I just said he's not a three hundred million dollar player. He never said he's a. He never asked for three hundred million dollars. There was there was always rumors, but there was never any factual basis that said he wanted that. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's like that entire situation with Bryant. It's very it's very disturbing to me because it just reminds me so much of. You know, if we're going to use another Chicago player like Derrick Rose, like he was forced out by the media and he was forced out by the fans because he wasn't living up to a contract after all those injuries. And and, you know, you know how Chicago fans are. We fucking we we expect so much right away. He put the whole entire city on his back. And I always blame Gar Pax for not fucking fixing everything. They just they just always assumed that he was going to get back to the MVP level and he just never did. So Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the same thing with Chris Bryant to me. Because Chris Bryant did everything right. Like, he never said anything wrong. He's quite literally, like, any team will be happy to have him. I And I, and I will sure. always believe that. I will always believe that. And, uh, you know, he just, may, maybe our expectations for him are higher than they should be. Maybe, maybe he did peak in 2017, you know, 2016, 2017. And... Maybe, maybe he'll never be another seven war player again, but I'll take a solid four to five war player for five years and pay him anywhere between 20 and $25 million while he can still play the outfield or third base or first base. Like any team would love to have that. You know what I mean? Especially because that's what you thought you were getting in the Jason Hayward contract effectively. Right. And so like, that's just kind of my thoughts on those guys as far as any of them potentially coming back. Maybe Javi Baez actually is the most like maybe like he would be the one. I just with the way that Jed's building yeah, the team I now, not. I just I just don't know if Javi is the guy that he wants to bring back because I don't know if you guys saw what I tweeted the other day during one of the was, I think it was the last game against the Pirates, but they showed a graphic of the Cubs offense before the trade deadline and after it. And the offensive numbers were all better in the second half. It's because they're not striking out nearly as much. It also helps that Frank Schwindel just became Superman. I and I don't understand it, but whatever. Like it, like Jed Hoyer is going to put out a contact first lineup. He is going to do that. He's going to need to go find power, and maybe Frank Schwindel is that guy. Maybe Patrick Wisdom is that guy. But you can't tell me that those two guys are to be the ones in three, four in your lineup in twenty twenty two and expect them to go win eighty five to ninety games. There's just no way. They can be very complimentary in your lineup, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But you definitely need to go get some, you know, some guys who have proven it for 162 for multiple years that are within reasonable age and not on the back end of their career. Like that, like that's the thing with with the offense, at least. I'm not saying that the offense was better without Bryant Rizzo and Baez, but the way that they were able to score runs was definitely a lot more fun to watch than it was with those other three guys because of how the lineup was built. It wasn't diversified. It was definitely a lot more diversified after the trade deadline, no matter what anyone wants to say. The, everyone wants to talk about stats in baseball. These are the stats. They're they are just simply the facts. I'm I'm sorry if that offends people. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And, and I'm Cody, a lot, so for that ahead, reason, Jason. is exactly why if I'm Jed Hoyer, I don't care about the lineup right now. The reason they lost this year is because they couldn't pitch. Let's be honest here. Guys. You're right. You're, they couldn't I pitch. agree. When they won in 2016, they were two. They were good at two things. They they could pitch, 
and they can they could create balls in play in the outs. They were one of the best defensive teams in 2016. True. Mm-hmm. The lineup, as much as everybody wants to throw their hands in the air and hit home runs, and it takes you far. The best teams in baseball, the teams that contend always, they pitch and they field because no matter what you do on a given day, you can always pitch and you can always field. Hitting is going to come and go. So if I'm Jed Hoyer, I'm I'm doing whatever I can to bring pitchers in here. I could care oh, yeah. less about this lineup because, as you said, you had all those stars in that lineup in the first half, and you outperformed it with guys who are no names next to you know yeah. on one year one year contracts. I'm not going to say that that's a recipe for success. Don't take that like the wrong way. That I think that they should not get anybody for the for the lineup. But with that said, focus needs to be pitching. They just couldn't pitch. You know, and that was when they traded you Darvish and they brought in all these guys. We, we talked about it the very first episode. The Cubs pitching staff is a pitching experience or experiment for the year. Mm-hmm. They did not have guys who strike out guys. Mm-hmm. It was all contact in play, and it was a failed experiment. So failed. Mm-hmm. They. It is clear that if you're looking anywhere to add on this team, you need guys who can punch them out. And that I mean starters who start this game and, and can mow through hitters. That's what the game is now, guys. And as much as I would love to see Rizzo, Bryant, you know, Schwarber, you know, all these guys come back. If they take that money and they spend it on pitching instead, and they don't they do minimal things to the lineup, I think I'll be a happy Cub fan at the end of the offseason. I think well, I'll be I'll be happy with that. Yeah, and kind of to add on to what you said, Juice, I think that's kind of where – I think at times we've talked about it here on this show amongst the, our, our whole group variously, you know, sporadically on episodes because, you know, we've, we've talked about the idea of adding a Nick Castellanos to this lineup as your power guy because at the end of the day, even if you only add one significant bat – so let's say you go get that big bat in Castellanos and then maybe you get a middle-of-the-pack kind of bat, right? Like a guy that maybe can come in – Maybe he plays a little third base. Maybe he or if Brennan Davis offense. just comes up and is Brennan Davis. Sure, sure, absolutely. And that's but that's kind of what we've talked about, right? Is like realistically, the top five guys in your lineup could potentially be Magical Horner, maybe Frank Schwindel hitting in like a two hole or even like a five hole. But then you put in Castellanos and Davis, and all of a sudden that that lineup doesn't look too terrible. Especially you can look with, at six if you're looking at Wilson Contreras at six too. Right. That, that's what I'm gonna say. Like. That's still a pretty damn good lineup yep. that is very diversified because you have guys that can hit for high contact. You have guys that can hit for some power and, and you have these guys that can kind of do a little bit of both. Like Schwindel can hit for some power, but he's a really good, like just hitter. He's just a good pure hitter. Like he doesn't walk a ton. He walks a little bit, but he doesn't walk a ton. Like his, his, his averages and his on base are closer than his on base and his slugging are. If you look at the numbers in September alone, Speaking of one NL Rookie of the Month, second month in a row, uh, Frank Schwindel. But he he, I think he slashed three fifty seven, four hundred five, six hundred five in the month of September. And the only reason I know that is because I wrote the article today. But like, but again, all the dude does is hit, and like that's fantastic because you have Horner's a guy who's shown he has the potential to hit potentially around three hundred. Madrigal has never hit under three hundred in the big leagues. So like now all of a sudden you have that diversified lineup. Right, and then you talk about defense. Horner's a great glove. Was a Gold Glove finalist in 2020, even though he's, his bat was horrible. You know, Madrigal's a solid glove. Wisdom played a mean third base. We always talked so highly of his defense. Schwindel was good enough at first. 
Yeah, and then you again, and then you you have maybe again Davis has shown he's a very good defensive outfielder. So and Willie's a, a very good defensive you know catcher. So maybe you have one or two guys on your roster that are defensive liabilities, but mm-hmm. overall, you throw that money at the pitching. Maybe you go get a Robbie Ray. Maybe you go get a Marcus Stroman. You go get a, a bullpen arm or two that are established. Now all of a sudden, you're looking at a lineup potentially with guys like Stroman, Hendricks, Ray. You know, again, there there's certainly some uncertainty. I know Joe was very against the idea of loading up too much because he wants to see guys like Steele and Alzley get opportunities to start, and that's great. But like, they can probably still start with Mills in the mix if you still add two guys. Like, I think they can make that work somehow. And even if they have to go up and down between AAA maybe for a little bit to get starts, you know, like they, they got to do something though, because I agree with you, Juice. Like they, they couldn't pitch to save their lives. How many games did we see when the Cubs scored? Didn't it happen? It happened twice this year. They scored seven runs and had a seven run lead and lost by more than seven runs in yeah. two games. That's like the first time in major league history that's ever happened twice in a season to the same team. And one of those start or one of those games that happened to Kyle Hendricks, which was so. Yeah. On, yeah. uh, I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Kyle Hendricks, I've seen some tweets where people are like, eh, maybe you throw him out there as trade bait in the off season. And I mean, he's on such a good contract. Maybe the Cubs could get some really good prospects back. Maybe perhaps you can get one that's ready. I don't know. I don't know what his market would be. Cause if you look at the numbers, this is like his worst season since 2015, no doubt. But a lot of that has to do with an inflated September but from May through August, he was solid. Like, not like not even solid. Like he, you could you he every fifth day in August, you were like, all right, well, we got a chance to win today because Kyle was pitching. You know what I mean? But I, I, I don't know because he's not the strikeout guy, right? Like he only throws yeah. eighty nine. Uh, but he, God, you watch him and when he's on, man, you just uh-huh. like you. He's one of the unique ones. He's a unicorn out there in this day and age. I and he's got the po- the postseason experience where he's been very good. I'm not saying I want the Cubs to do it. I'm just saying that that's an option. I feel like, especially if the Cubs really do want to go with this full on, like let's get some strikeout guys out there, blah blah blah, because that's what the rest of the league is doing. I do think that it really doesn't matter for Kyle Hendricks because he's just. Like I like I said, he's just he's he's different. <laughs> he's built different, you know. But like that's I think that's something to consider. I know Contreras is a, is something you know with the contract ending after next season. I don't like you know I've been on board to give him a contract extension, and we've talked about contract extensions in the Cubs for fucking years, uh, and things didn't happen. But I think Wilson Contreras could be a little bit different because he is a catcher, and he's not going to cost you more than. What what's his name? Uh, Yasmani Grandal got eighty million from the White Sox. There's yeah. no way Wilson Contreras is going to get that. Like he's one of the best catchers in the league, but Yasmani Grandal might be top two. I would say Contreras is at least top seven. Last year, you, you, you or bef- 2019, I think you could argue he was you know top five at least. Um, and my thing with Contreras is I think he he can be a top three catcher if he just isn't. <laughs> leading the leagues and in innings caught every season. Yeah. Um, I think the Cubs, another thing the Cubs need to do is uh, get a, another backup catcher. In 16, they had three catchers. It was Contreras, Ross, and Montero. 
four and, if you really wanted to count Schwarber too at the end. Yeah, sure. <laughs> on the play <laughs> roster. Like you got Robinson Chirinos, who's like on his last leg. He's like 39. I guess he could be your David Ross next year. Maybe, maybe there's someone out there that like he has caught his entire career. I have no idea. But all I'm saying is that they need to get another backup catcher. If they want to keep Chirinos, that's fine with me because he can he can hit a little bit. But he like you can't use him as your backup twice a week. Like you like he's a one day a week guy at this point in his career. You need to go get another one uh to just kind of mix in with the, that way Contreras isn't you know putting on the catcher's gear you know five out of seven days a week I th- I think you need at this point if you want to get the offense offensive production for a full season from him you gotta you gotta put him in the catcher's gear for maybe three or four days a week and hopefully if the DH is a thing you can use him in the DH in those other days and let mm-hmm. someone else catch like I I really do think that's a that's a thing that they need to do uh and no one's really talking about that. So keep, I think you should keep that in mind, people who are listening. But yeah, no, it's uh, well, I forgot but, what I was going to say. No, but I, I got a good point, though, to, to kind of piggyback on what you said, though, about the catchers. Because I, I think back, right, obviously 2016, 2015, you had Miguel Montero, you had Ross, Willie came up, right? You had that really nice stable of three catchers at that time that showed they could all hit and they could all, you know, yeah, well, Willie was still learning in terms of behind the plate, but he had the arm. He had people the, were like begging for Contreras to come up yeah. in sixteen because Montero was in the midst of a really bad season offensively. And yep. He couldn't throw anyone out because he was older, and right. David Ross was only catching against, uh, or he was only catching for John Lester, right? So yeah, like when like could Contreras his, his call up was. I mean, they didn't make that until July, but the team was so far ahead in the standings that they they could afford to do that. Right, they're not going to be in that position next season. No. So you like, and there's no again, guarantee that a guy like Miguel Amaya is ready because he was hurt all year this year. Yeah, that's gonna. And even if you're bringing him up, you're bringing him up to play, not to sit. So that's why right. I Miguel Amaya is going to sit in in Double A or Triple A again this year and at least get ready again. So, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's. I think it's it hard. Sucks to, that Amaya was out all season, basically, yeah. because he missed and the year part. before. He's now now two years, two years with behind. no development, and it's so frustrating because he like he could he it would have made sense if he would have been ready. And the Cubs moved Victor Caratini in that in the U Darvish uh, trade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like now they they like Victor. Car- I don't. I know Victor Caratini had a bad season with the Padres, but like when you're in the role that he was with the Cubs, you can be okay with that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Right. Perhaps maybe he is just a backup catcher. Maybe he does. He can't, he can't be a everyday guy. I don't know if he started every day or not, but you know what I mean by that? Like he Mm -hmm. definitely played a lot more with the Padres than he did with the Cubs. So for sure. uh, Yeah. I don't know. It's just tough. I do think that's something that no one's really talking about though. And they need to, the Cubs need to get that figured out because The, the, that position is very crucial to not mm-hmm. just offense, but defense as Especially well. Especially right? in the NL, right? I mean, yeah. it, it makes so much more sense in the NL than it does. Not to badmouth the AL or anything like that. But, no, I just – and to go back to, like, your Kyle Hendricks talk, I think it's really hard to sit and trade him now from a position of need opposed to – and what does that send to your fan base? You know, right. if, if you He's trade, making, like, no money and then yeah, – yeah. Well, not even just that. It's, it's like – if you're truly trying to turn it around so quickly, if you trade Kyle Hendricks, it's almost like an announcement to the 
to the team and to the fans, I don't think we're going to be contending for the next three years. And yeah. I just, I, I really do think Marcus Stroman adding with Kyle Hendricks and maybe that next three that you've talked about, you know, Keegan Thompson, Justin Steele, Mills, and then you just see where this team is next year, right? If you got to add at the trade deadline, that's the other thing. They have so much draft capital now in terms of, you know, your, your minor league pipeline that if you want to go out and make a splash for a big name, you can do that. You know, um, do I think that they're going to be in that position? No, I said they're a 500 baseball team next year, but I don't know. It, it is what Kyle Nurse for Zach Collins juice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is that that buzz in there? That, it is. Buzz. It yeah. is buzz. He's trying to he's trying to jump in real quick because he he actually told me uh, I'm I don't get the off work like you guys are going to get. Maybe I know you still do your podcast and you're with Four Feathers, so all three of us will still be on the mic. I'm actually going to be jumping in and helping with the Bulls a little bit, hey. uh, which will be kind of fun. Uh, Buzz and I both have season tickets, so he's probably trying to butt in. That way he gets a little bit of banter with me to warm back up. But, uh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> you're Buzz, why, also, Buzz, your, your team's about to play in the playoffs. Why are you jumping in like a Cubs stream over here? Like I'd be <laughs> I'd be watching like all those White Sox hype videos for the postseason and, you know, like maybe making sure that there's no trash cans within the uh, Houston Astros dugout. You know, that would, I'd be flying down there to make sure, you know, there's no buzzers, there's no trash cans, you know, things like that. I, you know, make sure you got an even playing field when you walk in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate, we do appreciate Buzz jumping into the comments and, and having fun with us here. But, uh, but no, but, uh, you know, Cody going again, because I, I really agree with you about the whole catcher thing because, you know, 2016 aside, their best season in terms of catching depth, depth to me was when they went and got Alex Avila at the deadline. Yes, and look how much that That's paid forgotten. off because yes. Willie got hurt and he mm-hmm. took over as the primary catcher and did a great job because yeah. he could hit. He caught it, called a good game. Like that is super important. I agree with you. I think, and that kind of plays in with the pitching, right? Like you need another good, you know, second catcher that can come in and catch your entire pitching staff. And yeah. I, I think that's incredibly important. And, you know, I, but I really do agree. Like, I, I think the pitching is just such a big thing. And I think they found that they can make bullpen arms, right? I think we saw that with guys this year that, you know, they improved. I mean, no slander toward any of these guys because I love them all. But, like, look how much better Ryan Sperr and Andrew Chafin were with the Cubs. Than, now, granted, they both have continued that since leaving. But, like them working with the pitching lab and things like that, how much that helped them develop in their careers. Totally yeah. think that's possible, you know, for the Cubs to continue to do that with some guys. And maybe they go after some guys in free agency that are like, again, kind of the Cubs model of guy that like, hey, he's got a lot of upside, but he just needs a little tinkering. We're going to go sign right. him for a why million is, bucks. And then why do I always think something. of Trevor Cahill when anybody ever says that? <laughs> Trevor because you Cahill. look like Trevor Cahill. I do kind of look like Trevor Cahill. <laughs> I got the fat face, man. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I got I got a lot of Trevor Cahill. That's hey, legend. Tre- That's Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Cahill definitely like triple dumps his beef. So I mean, like, hey, I'm on board for that. <laughs> uh, Two scoops no, of Jarnar, uh, not just one. Yeah, oh, no, that, that's, that's that's standard. That is. Yeah. That is I, to your point, though, Ron, about relievers, I do think that that's a like the Cubs can do that, but I also do think that they need to go get one veteran one and not necessarily hmm. pay someone $16 million to be their closer, unless their last name is Kimbrell. If the White Sox decide to, 
you know, not pick up that option. I think the Cubs, like considering where they'd be at, like I would have a problem with you just did another one or two year deal with Kimbrell on that because he was very good at Wrigley Field. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. Again, that would be like a, if you get everything else figured out, then fine. And the only reason I would do it is because I do like Rowan Wick. I do like Cody Hoyer and I do like, you know, Manny Rodriguez sometimes. And, you know, <laughs> what's his name? Brad Wick will be back hopefully next year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other names that I can't think of off the top of my head, but like they have some guys. It's just like none of them, none of them have been in a spot where, where none of them have the experience outside of maybe Rowan Wick, where you're like, you feel good going to season with that guy. They're just they're you know not as I mean? established, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that if you go get just one veteran guy, that that would be good. But again, I'm not saying it has to be a guy like Kimbrell. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, I don't have relievers, free agents up on my. No, sure. My, well, you want that. You no, want that one that's guy that's experienced. Mm-hmm. Well, but you want that one guy that's yeah. experienced, right? Like you want that one right. guy that you know. Hey, you've done it for six years. I know when we go to you out of the pen, we know exactly what we're getting with you, type guy. Right. And I agree with that. I, I definitely do think they need that at least one guy, and he doesn't necessarily have to be your closer. But as long as you have that one guy that in some high leverage situation, which I think you saw them start to audition as he's still, I know he's still in here, Buzz. I love Cody Hoyer, so thanks for him. Um, but like, <laughs> like they kind of started to do that with Cody Hoyer, right? Like we mm-hmm. saw him coming in the fifth inning to get out of jams. We saw him coming in close games. We saw him pitch in the sixth and the seventh and the eighth. I mean, they literally used him all across the board to kind of see like where he fits best. Mm-hmm. I'm totally cool if they bring in a guy for, you know, four million bucks, let's say a little more established. Really good reliever again. I don't have names in front of me like, either. Uh, but I heard Bob yeah, Howard like, still available. Yikes! <laughs> wow. <laughs> but like someone like Steve Ciszek, not not him now, sure. but like the signing. What it was like a or, two year, twenty million. Or your time. boy, or your boy Cody. Why not bring back Andrew Chafin? Hell on yeah. that kind of money because he was making two two five coming into yeah. this season. What if you pay him three and a half? Yeah, and he's that guy, right? Because he he can close a game for you if you absolutely need him to. But he really thrives in kind of that seventh, eighth inning shutdown lefty. And sure. that's a great guy to have in, in the back of your bullpen. Right. No, I, that, there's a lot of options. And, you know, less and less people are spending on relievers these days because they're just developing them. You know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, another name that maybe maybe the Cubs have this in mind. I don't know because I thought he did very well in his starter role. But, I mean, Abbott Alzale was lights out as a reliever as a multiple inning reliever in September. I know the games didn't matter. I know there was no pressure, but I do think that that that's, that's an idea, especially if the Cubs did want to go out and spend on two starting pitchers. But that said, I would rather see Albert Alzale in the rotation than Justin Steele. If I had to choose between the two, um, because we've seen Albert Alzale go deeper in the games more so than Justin Steele. I mean, Justin Steele had his best career start against the fucking Pirates. And now that that was a great start. Like, that was good to see. I thought he, between him and Thompson, he progressed the most in the second half of the season. Okay. There's no doubt about that. And I do think that, you know, if they didn't get a, a second starter, then I'd be okay with rolling with Alzale and Steele as your, I guess, 3-4 and then with Mills as your five. I'd be okay with it. Our rotation would go through a lot of ups and downs, but I, considering what we know, like what we're expecting for next year, I would be okay with it. 
But if you really want to be competitive and be in the division race next year, you, I, like we've already been talking about, you got to get more pitching and you got to get some experience in there and, you know, go get yourself a Marcus Stroman. And then why not a guy like John Gray who just eats mm-hmm. innings and you get him out of course field. And I know that sounds just like fucking Tyler Chatwood, but John Gray actually has been good throughout his career. You know what I mean? Uh, bring him to Wrigley. You got your top three of Hendricks, Stroman, and uh, John Gray with Steele or Alzale and Alec Mills. Mm-hmm. And then you can put either Steele or Alzale in the bullpen to be a multi, multi, multiple inning reliever, which adds depth th- to the bullpen. And then you can always use them as a spot starter too. Adrian Sampson, another guy they could use as a spot star- starter who really just kind of opened my eyes in the second half. He was very he- good. Yeah, because when he came up, I was like, who? <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, like, I think they have some options there. Uh, again, like, like that, that, you know, maybe John Gray is, you know, kind of like your, uh, I can't, I keep wanting to go back to compare in 16, but like, you know, maybe like your John Lackey type guy, just an innings eater. Like, yeah, John Lackey, Jason know. Hamill, just. Yeah, just like being really Take it a step further if they can reclimate his his arm, and he's a Jake Arrieta type, maybe. You know where you 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 get him away from a place, give him pitch lab. Don't you you tinker with his stuff or or the way that he's sequencing pitches, and then maybe you have that. Maybe that kind of pulls up this this timeline. I'm not going to say that he is, but I'm just saying that maybe that that's the move, right? You get a guy like that, and you try to. You try to keep him here. Try to redo some things that he does well, and obviously they've they've had some success, as we said throughout the whole podcast here, with you know having different arms come in and be better after they get in the pitch lab. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that that's a good move. Um, but they another they need to look arm, at Strowman, right? Well, and speaking of the Mets, I mean, I think Noah Syndergaard is also a, an idea. I was uh, just about to say that. Thank you, and, Cody. And based off like, you know, recent history where the Cubs have just kind of gone out and fixed guys like, yeah, some of them haven't worked out. You know, Shelby Miller, God bless his soul, Cubs legend. But goddamn, he I don't even think he got six outs in his career as a Cub. But, you know, no center guard. I still remember 2015, man, like he was insane against the Cubs in that series. And I think Uh the biggest issue for him has just been injuries. He's getting up in his career. He's not going to be able to throw upper 90s anymore, probably. But I do think he's worth a chance at, at a league minimum contract. You know what I mean? Just based off potential. And get him in the pitch lab. Maybe the Cubs can teach him how to pitch. You know, because he would just come up and dominate with the fastball, you know? Because he right. just throws so hard. I think if the Cubs can get him in the pitch lab and maybe tinker around with his mechanics or something and maybe, you know, put him in a successful spot. He's not a bad run at, you know, no, now like I'm that not saying that he should be, I'm not saying he should be like, all right, this is our ride or die guy because if no. it doesn't work out, then you're fucked. But like as a depth guy, I mean, like that's the biggest thing is just get some depth in the rotation in the bullpen, because that's how that team in 16 won, man. Like something like John Lackey again, <laughs> Big teeth 
and made fifteen dollars or fifteen million dollars a year. He was not that great as a Cub. He really didn't wasn't. Come here 16, for a haircut. Didn't come here for a haircut. He just came to hang out and throw every five days and just hope and pray to God he didn't give up a billion home runs. He was he would eat <laughs> you innings though. Like that mm-hmm. is what he did. Yeah. He would get you five innings all the time. It just sometimes it wouldn't look pretty. That's for damn sure. So, like that's kind of like what the what I'm thinking for is the second guy in the rotation with the Cubs outside of Stroman is just someone who can go out there and just take the ball, take the ball and fucking eat you five innings when you need five innings because the guy the day before fucked up and gave up six runs and four. Yeah, you know didn't I mean? have that this year. That's right, why it was right. so bad, right? Because right. yeah. You looked at that bullpen, and we talked about it. how long can this last. Well, it was clear that after the no hitter, it was like these guys ran out of gas. You know, it was, mm-hmm. and then post, you know, going into the rest of the year, you know, they pieced pieces together to see what they had, and a lot of the same guys they rode in the beginning ended up on the injured list. So, right. I mean, it was clear that you know going into that little streak, and even during that streak when they were winning, it was fun. They were winning in walk off fashion. What it seemed like you know, every third day, but just the whole, like, they just didn't have, like you said, they didn't have the depth. They didn't have mm-hmm. the talent. So it's, that's, that's what they need to focus on. Mm-hmm. You know, the lineup, like you said, wasn't that bad. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another guy that I'm kind of like intrigued about just to see what his market would be, it would be Carlos Rodon. Uh, obviously really good was an all-star this year, but then the innings pitch caught up to him because he had never done it before at the end mm-hmm. of the year. Now, because of that, I'm interested to see what his market would be, especially if he does not pitch well in the postseason. If it go, if his market goes down, then that's a guy that I feel like the Cubs should go go get on a on a you know a a decent two year you know, two three year deal, maybe worth thirty million dollars. I don't know, like Tyler Chatwood deal. You know, like that's yeah, they got to look at or the or the Ty- though. Like right. his velocity in his last start was, I mean, he was throwing like 90, 91. Like that's right. for him. Right. He's not a guy who's going to pitch around like right. that. You but know, I he do needs think, to be throwing mid nineties. But with that said, you know that when you get him and then you, you, I don't say you limit the innings, but I mean, how many times did Rodon just go set like eight innings plus this year? I'm interested to know that because I, I just feel like the White Sox, they were playing with house money. I mean, this guy was non-tendered, and then the White Sox ended up signing him back, and they're like, well, we need a guy to eat innings, and, you know, he's always had this potential. We give him a shot, and it, it like, bloomed into a fucking flower or whatever you want to call it, right? And they just wrote it. And Tony Arusa and his old-school mindset just didn't think about innings pitch or anything, and here they are with that issue. So I do think that the Cubs would be smart about that. Now, maybe – because of this whole injury thing, maybe he's not worth $10 million a year, but there's a lot of potential there. Maybe, maybe you get him on a one year prove it. And if he can pitch a whole year without any injury, then like maybe that'll get him a bigger deal. But like he's still young and like we have seen him at, you know, pitch upper 90s and just be just absolutely nasty against both like hitters on both sides of the plate. Like that, I, he's someone who has a high ceiling that isn't going to cost you a ton because of the, the injury scare, no doubt. But that's the see, same as Noah Syndergaard. See, I think somebody at the poker table is going to be the sucker who overpays for that guy. You know, the, they're they're going to look more or less like they have to make a splash because they're in a franchise that they need a guy like that, that, you know, was in the all-star game or maybe they're a, a lower market team that's trying to contend. 
you know, and then they overpay. I think both those guys are those candidate. And I think that's like a really difficult market for Ricketts and, or for uh, Jed Hoyer to evaluate. Also too, we haven't touched, they need a GM. So it'd be really interesting too, to see yeah. who that hire is and where they're going for that, because they've clearly said they're going out of house for that. So I'm curious if there's been any rumblings or you have any thoughts both sides on that. I don't because I, uh, I clearly don't have any idea who they're even going to be interested in. No, I have yeah. no idea. I, I'm intrigued to see what they do with the GM and just going, just quick touching on it very quickly. Um, I think Syndergaard is intriguing too, because he is only 29 years old. So that's just mm-hmm. something I wanted to add, but um no, I think with the general manager, I think that'll be interesting because I, I know briefly they've addressed it at least a little bit, um, they being Jed Hoyer. And he, I think the biggest reason they want to go out of house, it's not because like they don't trust who's in-house, but I think they want to get somebody else's kind of mindset Different in there. Eyes. Yeah, like, another, like that move. another set of eyes. And that's why I'll be intrigued, though, because I think they want another set of eyes who can still believe and understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But like, hey, how would you make this better? Like, and yeah. I feel like whoever comes in with like maybe the I don't want to say the best idea, but I guess for lack of a better term in this situation, the best ideas of like how to improve the Cubs model that they've already kind of built within house, you know, the pitching lab and and all this type of stuff. I think that's the guy that they ultimately hired to be the GM because he's gonna he's gonna mesh with everybody that's already in that front office, but He's still going to bring that, like we said, that you know, fresh set of eyes onto what they're doing and saying, hmm, maybe we can improve a little bit here. Or maybe we do this different or maybe we do this different. And maybe that takes the Cubs model that they developed in-house to a whole nother level. Hmm. It's something interesting, but I have no idea who's even going to be in the discussions I'm, for that. I'm curious about who it's going to be and what the timeline is and how much influence does that have on who that person has in mind for signing, for trading, you know, I think the most interesting thing is, is during the same time that they may be hiring this GM, maybe the same time they're negotiating for a strike or not. So are you going to be the team that jumps first and signs this guy? And then maybe you're looming in a strike and you're, what are you paying for? You know what I'm saying? So True. I think the most interesting part is a, what's the timeline. And if the timeline sooner rather than later, it, does that mean that baseball within or the Cubs organization is confident that they there will be no strike because they, they clearly have to know how negotiations are going. Right. I mean, you're not, you're not jumping full bore into a GM. If you're not confident that that guy's going to be able to do his job next year, are you? I mean, or is it just what it would just have to fill the position now? You know what I'm saying? It just kind of, it's a rockety, it's a rockety timeline because you really don't know. A, is there going to be baseball, which I, fingers crossed, pray to God there is. And B, if there is baseball and you are signing this guy, what's the influence he's going to have going in right away? You know, obviously Theo was the was the czar. He pretty much made the decisions with Jed and, you know, with the organization. But, you know, I'm wondering, do they bring some guy in who's more respected and works more with Jed so it's more of a group decision? Or does Jed still have like final go? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just interesting to me, like how that whole, you know, timeline and the meshing of like who they sign will have a real good idea of how they're going to build a baseball team when they sign that guy, though. Cause we'll be able to look at, you know, recent moves, recent places he's been, how they've built baseball teams, yep. and we'll have an idea of who they're going to be interested in free agency probably by that. 
Yeah. Who uh, who currently is a general manager for the Reds or in the Reds organization? Do do they bring him over? Maybe you know he really is hyped up about a certain Nick Castellanos <laughs> joining the Cubs. Just make I'm Nick just... Castellanos' dad like the GM. Hey. Yeah. Hey, make make <laughs> his ex- brother make his brother I, the GM. I would assume it might be someone from the Red Sox or the Padres. Just based because of the ties gen- there. Yeah, the ties. I that would be. My guess. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, though? I think if it's from the Red Sox, it's a good thing. I think if it's from the Padres, I stay the hell away from it, though. Just something about that franchise right now is no. My my argument on that is like you've done that. You know what I mean? And it worked for sure. Like maybe it's time as baseball changes, you have a different outlook on what the game looks like. You know, somebody from somebody Tampa. Yeah. I mean, or the Dodgers because the Dodgers use the same model just with more money. Yeah. Well, same guy. Well, yeah, Friedman was the one that developed in Tampa, mm-hmm. and then Tampa just kept it going. Right. After he left. So, and, and that's just my thought. Like, are you bringing, yeah. are they, is it a signing for a GM that's just buddy, buddy? Mm-hmm. Or is it some guy who's in here to truly that, like, I mean, yeah, like, shit up. like yeah. look at like what the Bulls did. You know, they brought in, you know, Arturis and then they brought in Eversley right after it. And those guys, they didn't mesh together. They were from two different organizations. Mm-hmm, you know true. that that built basketball teams in two different ways. Yeah. So, but both very well respected yes. around the league. That's I what I key. want, and that's what I want. Get yeah. a different whole set of eyes. You did it with Kantrovitz because they brought him in. Now get a whole new another set of eyes that's not from Boston. That's not from. I, well, would I be angry if it's some guy who was you know on the scouting team for you know either Boston or or the or the Padres? You know they're still good at evaluating talent. Trades, eh, maybe a little different, you know, or like evaluating manager talent, eh, maybe a little different. But with that said, you know, I think that, you know, the, the whole, I think the whole like uh, positive that would come out of having a different set of eyes and a, is a different way of doing things. And I think for Jed, that's, I think that's more valuable mm-hmm. because as we've said on here, he hasn't been a GM a full, or a full baseball, you know, operation for very, very long either. You know, he's still learning at this. So I think like all the A plus like talent evaluating type of people you can bring in around him, I think is more or less more beneficial to him. And that's not a knock on Jed. It's just a managed or, or matter of like the fact that he's doing a job that he's never done before. So having somebody who's a GM that's probably more well versed, excuse me, is uh, probably more beneficial to him. Yeah. I think that that is a really interesting point too, because you look at some of these other models and, and Scott, I see your comments in here. He said, give, give me someone from Tampa Bay. He also mentioned Braylon Marquez having a big year, which I think is something that's intriguing as well. But well, nonetheless, he didn't get hurt last year. Yeah. It yeah, would have been, that was a big he one. Probably would have came up. That yeah, might be honest. One of the, like, maybe that's one of the things like if Braylon Marquez has a solid, like couple months and in, in, uh, in the minor leagues next year, maybe the Cubs just call him up. Like, they called him up in 2020. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, uh, it's a, it's an interesting thing, but it, like, especially if like the Cubs don't like, like, you know, compete for half the year, but then fall out because of youth and not enough talent. Maybe the Cardinals or the Brewers run away with it again or something like barely my, like at that point, then you're just kind of like, well, why the fuck not? Unless you're like, again, 
service time manipulation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I again, if they get that fixed, then you don't have to worry about it. That's why I'm kind of like Brandon Davis should be on the opening day roster next year if the service time manipulation thing gets fixed. So, yeah, uh, you know, like that's uh, that's just my thoughts on Braylon Marquez. But yeah, yeah, no, the whole GM thing will be interesting. Uh, it, to be honest, it's not even something that I've really been thinking about uh, because. I'm pretty content with Jed and sure. I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm content with Dan Cantervis as our director of scouting. And uh, so I, you know, you got those bright of minds who have already kind of helped the Cubs get in this position uh, trending up. Then I have really no, like, like it, they would have to pick someone who I've just really never heard of and doesn't have a good track record behind them. That would, I guess that would then at least, give me some sort of negative feeling. So in the end, I'm just going to be like, all right, man, well, uh, at least Jed's still making the calls. So (laughs) like, I don't know, like I, it's tough because when Theo was, was the guy, I didn't really think too much about Jed Hoyer. I was always just thinking, you know, Theo was the one making the moves. He was the guy. So, you know, it is what it is. So, but I guess in a sense, I hope they get the guy that, I get a guy that we can all get behind because one day Jed Hoyer is going to leave and then you got a guy there. I don't know how long Jed Hoyer is going to be at the Cubs. I, I, I would lean under 10 years like, like Theo Epstein, like Theo Epstein giving you nine solid years is a lot. And, uh, he got, he like, hell Ricketts wasn't going to even force him out. Ricketts would have let him stay probably forever if he wanted to. So I don't know if that'll be the same for Jed Hoyer though. Real quick, you guys think that they're going to strike? I sure hope not, man. I hope. I not. know we're all we're all hoping here, but realistically, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised because of how baseball is just like the way they they do things. Like, yep, agree. Like with all these rule changes and stuff that they just like tested last year, and then like don't like everyone. No one cared that there was a DH for all sixty of those games, and then they decide to remove it again because of you know a bunch of old white dudes that just don't know how to change. That's at least that's my guess. And I'm sorry for all the old people I just offended, but like, that's just what I'm always going to believe. But like, they're like those things. And the fact that we just like, like they can't like, they can't get out of their own way year in and year out when it comes to just these stupid, like issues that they have is mm-hmm. the sticky stuff thing this year. Like, why are we implementing this in the middle of the year? We got guys having like, we we had how many times did a did a Cubs reliever go out there and give up seven runs or something and then come out of the game and then on their way out they got to get checked for sticky like that's so dumb and how many times did a freaking position player go out there and pitch and then they still checked him a position player like the whole like that entire thing was so dumb and like that's just like a small microism of like just how like messed up MLB is right now with like how they figure try to fix shit and and everything they just can't get out of their own way so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if there's a strike and if there is a strike i i will be very sad because that's just another year of development missed out for guys and that puts the cubs back at another year and it would it will just it will it will just be very disappointing i'm going to yeah. say that they don't strike and I'm going out on a limb here strictly because if they strike after what happened with COVID last season, it's baseball a death sentence dead. for baseball. Agreed. And both of them know hey, it. 
they so they literally have to meet in the middle. Afford, yes, I was gonna say they literally cannot afford to strike because if it strike, if they strike and you effectively lose more or less two seasons of baseball in a three year span, especially with you know sports like the NFL are thriving, you know, uh, you know sports like um, you know basketball on the rise. Hell, even the NHL is great gaining ground in the United States. Like it, it's getting to a point. I literally was talking to somebody the other day about it, and just the way they said it, I think, is what maybe got me to laugh so much. But they were like, "Bro, the sport they play in Canada nationally is is bypassing America's pastime in America." Yeah, and I'm like, we were talking about the last show, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, but but like, but it's crazy, right? Like, but I just I love the way he put it though when I was talking to them because they were like, it's Canada's sport, and it's mm. bypassing America's sport in America. Like, but that's that's the reality that baseball faces right now is because a lot of people hate the way that the MLB does things, as we have all just noted. Everybody thinks Rob Manfred is 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 the worst thing since Roger Goodell. It's amazing <laughs> that they both exist as commissioners in the same time period, but like. That's really one, what it is right is now. One is significantly worse than the other. Oh, way. sure. Like Goodell, like he still gets people to want to watch the game. Like Absolutely. Manfred is like doing things that people are like not wanting to watch. Right. The game for. Everybody yeah. hates the run around second rule. Everybody hates how ridiculous the shift has gotten. And like, but they're more worried about fucking sticky stuff and like stupid yeah. shit like that. But that, but again, and then that's where like you hope guys like Theo Epstein joining the big league office get some of this shit fixed because it's like. Otherwise, it's literally, you know, we don't have to sit here and worry about baseball losing popularity because other sports are being better. Baseball will do that by itself just by the way it's run. They'll just lose people in general because there is no free agent frenzy. And, you know, there, there was no, like, there is no excitement around the offseason anymore because everybody sits around and shrugs their shoulders and goes, well, we ain't going to see any action until the middle of December. You know what I mean? Like, when most people, like... Again, I'll be the first one to admit it. Obviously, this year's a little different because the whole COVID thing has shifted schedules. But, like, July 1st every year for me is a national holiday because that's NHL free agency. And it's one of the craziest days of the year in any sport. NFL sees a lot of that, too, and that, like, that tampering window that they do now effectively. Those three days are bonkers. You know what I mean? But people get up for that. The NBA free agency frenzy this year, especially for Bulls fans, was fucking electric. He had bald DeRozan and you know all the other guys joined within the, a handful of days like people get excited about that when your yep. sport isn't actually playing baseball is the only major sport quote unquote the yeah you know, I call it the big four in uh, in America mm -hmm. that doesn't have that excitement in the offseason because of all the bullshit and nobody wanting to get paid and these owners are just probably the it most used to be it used to be like when when the winter meetings came, that's that when, was when all the was. deals Trade. were going to just blow up. Like Trade, I still remember baby. when I was in my apartment when I was in college and John mm -hmm. Lester signed at like 2 a.m. or something yep. like that or agreed to it at 2 a.m. And me and the two guys I live with in my house, all Cubs fans, we were just going freaking crazy over the Cubs signing John Lester at like 2 a.m. or whatever, like mm -hmm. late night. They have, they, there hasn't been anything like that in baseball in recent years. Mm -hmm. And that I don't want to say that's the reason why fans just aren't into it anymore. But fuck, man, like at least it was like the one thing in the offseason that would like get you prepared and ready for like spring training. And like the last like five years, it feels like it's just been 
just like like walking in mud, just trying to figure out what your team is going to be going into spring training. And there was times where shit, Bryce Harper signed like a like not even like a, less than a month from spring training. He, he signed with the Phillies, I thought something like that in 2018, 2019, whatever year it was. Mm-hmm. Like like that's the kind of shit that like it. The, the, that's where MLB really needs to get that shit figured out and like not put these the players in this position where they're like not knowing where they're going to live, I guess, until the beginning of the year and stuff like it's, 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 it's dumb. So they got a lot of shit to figure out guys. And I pray in God, they get it figured out and that there's no strike. And, you know, we're celebrating all of that and a lot of fun next year, because I do think if we have a season, they're, they're going to be better than what people expect. There's, I've read so much slander over the last couple of months about how it's going to be five years. And I'm telling you, I'm keeping receipts and I'm not forgetting. And people are going to hate me. People are going to hate me, Ron. I'm here people for it. People are going to hate me. I I'm can't wait. It. I can't wait for people to hate me because I'm going to be unfucking bearable because I we've, not just me, but we have had to sit through so much pain since July 30th. And we, fr- quite frankly, just did not deserve it. We, we did not deserve that pain. So, when uh, things start to trend up and we figure out this offseason and everything, I'm looking forward to just, you know, letting people know that they were wrong. I really am. Absolutely. It's it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a fun offseason. I really think the Cubs are going to do something. I know we all kind of address that, you know, throughout the show. I, I don't think they can afford to sit on their hands uh, and not do something this offseason. You know, it might, again, it might not be. The barn burning, you know, they go and spend, you know, $150 million worth of payroll for one season type shit. But, like, realistically, I would like to see them add two, maybe three fairly decent-sized names. And then, you know, there's nothing wrong with adding some depth guys. Uh, guys kind of what I thought, you know, in, in terms of this season that they did, guys like Mariznick, you know, guys like Tapera, Like, those type of guys you need on your team. And, like, they're going to have to go get a couple of those guys too. But... Um, it, it's certainly going to be something interesting, but gentlemen, as we are at the, uh, hour 10 mark here, uh, I do want to turn it back over to each of you. Uh, any, any final thoughts on the Cubs 2020 season as a whole, uh, you know, something you're looking forward to this off season, what have you, um, I'll, I'll open up the floor to you guys before we uh, close this thing out with all the pleasantries. Yeah. Ahead, spend, James. spend money, but don't spend stupid money. I think that's like the theme, right? You want to get better this year, but the moves that you make this year shouldn't hamper the future like one Jason Hayward did in some ways. Um, You don't want another one of those. So I think the smart way is to go about the pitching side of it because there's a lot of proven pitching if you make the right moves that are in this free agent class. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the route that they should go. Um, With that said... (laughs) To close out the season, thanks to everybody. Thanks to you guys. And, uh, yeah, um, pray to God that Matt Nagy doesn't ruin Justin Fields and uh, the Bears organization because um, I can't take much more of this shit, man. Things are not <laughs> uh, not good for us as Cub fans and Bear fans and, you know, City of Chicago sports like Bulls. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, Hawks I know are going to be fun, but – I mean, to near and dear to my heart are the two bears. You know, you got the big bears and the little bears. And uh, 
I, when they're good, I'm happy. So mm-hmm. let's hope that the right moves are made this off season and we can have a little spark again. You know, it feels like our fire was smoldered, you know, it was just like, you just put good out, word. right. Good. Like word. let's, let's, uh, let's reignite, you know, as cub fans together and, uh, yeah, that sounded like I was let's, leading everybody in the war like Braveheart there. But uh yeah, no, let's uh let's win free agency, right? Be cool to like come back to pregame this season and go, man, like the Cubs really turned it around that quick. I'm excited and you know, reinvested in the team fully because I feel like this season in a lot of ways took a lot of a lot of the love and the heart out of us, right? We still love it, but they they traded away a lot of guys who are near and dear mm-hmm. to the success for the last, you know, six years. So Absolutely. excuse me guys, but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. Um, but now as they say on bears on tap, it's time to put the meat on the table, Jed Hoyer. And let's, uh, let's get some guys here. Absolutely. Yeah. Cody. Uh, yeah, I think juice put it all pretty good, man. I mean, again, like I said, at the beginning of the show, like it's, not the worst Cubs season ever, but it was one, probably going to be one of the most memorable by the time I my days on this earth are done. Um, I'll probably tell my kids about how the Cubs moved on from the guys who won me a World Series um, and all that stuff. And it'll be like the Halloween story, I guess, because it's just a horror movie. But um yeah, I, I I do think the the future is bright. Um, Patrick Wisdom was traded for a washing machine. He was traded for a Toyota <laughs> Prius. He was traded uh, because the Cardinals actually thought Matt Carpenter was worth keeping around after a fluke 2018 season where he was in the MVP race. Um, Matt Carpenter and his salsa is absolutely disgusting, um, but I appreciate him for eating it because it made him a shitty baseball player. Um I will never forget or I will never forgive the Colorado Rockies for giving Nolan Arenado away uh, to the most annoying franchise on this God's earth uh, for a washing machine and for a bag of balls as well. Um, I will never forgive the the owner uh, in his press conference where he really just did not realize just how dumb of a move that was. Um, never forget. And, uh, that sucks, but, uh, on, on a, on a positive, uh, ending, I just want to say that Yadier Molina batted 211, had on base of 262 and slugged 281 with a 53 weighted runs created, uh, against the Cubs this year. Uh, all while this, all the, all of this all after he blocked me on Instagram because he's a soft, serve vanilla ice cream cone who can't take criticism because i didn't even call him a name all i said was he was wrong on comments about how he was pissed off of that he wasn't in the gold glove finalists he is soft and he is the most overrated baseball player of my lifetime today i saw a tweet uh that had jersey sales like popular jersey sales for mlb players and jacob Degrom was behind yadier molina on this list and that should be illegal that should be absolutely legal that more people want to have Yadier fucking Molina's jersey instead of arguably the greatest pitcher of our fucking generation right now. And that's not even freaking, that's not even a fucking like exaggeration. I don't know if even Clayton Kershaw is better than fucking uh, Jacob DeGrom. uh, If you look at it over uh, the course of their careers, Clayton Kershaw might have the years behind him, but Jacob DeGrom 
just from basically since 2015 on has been the best pitcher in baseball outside of maybe Garrett Cole. But Garrett Cole is in the has the whole sticky stuff thing on him. There was nothing about Jacob DeGrom. He is one of the greatest pitchers that we have ever seen. And the fact that more people want to have Yadier fucking Molina's jersey is it should be it all everyone who bought a Yadier Molina jersey this year, they should all just be thrown into Lake Michigan face first. <laughs> all right. I'm so happy. A that you came prepared with notes for that. Because that made it even better. That's the part I probably enjoyed the most. But I feel like it's very appropriate to end the 2021 Cubs season and with our Cubs on tap recap show for the season with a Cody rant of that level. So I'm I am appreciative of said rant. But no, guys, I think you covered it from a baseball standpoint. I think tonight was a great conversation, kind of to put the 2021 season behind us as a whole here at Cubs on Tap. Look toward the future. I think this winter we can all sit here and agree there's a lot of anticipation for. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and like Drew said earlier in the show, thank you to everybody that listened this year. We had a huge year of growth here at Cubs on Tap, um, and we really are appreciative that everybody that joined along, interacted with us, you know, tweeted with us back and forth, listened in our show, listened to the podcast, what have you. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll be back throughout the offseason. We'll be back in the next year. Um, and we're just going to keep it rolling here, Cubs on Tap, because that's what we do. We have fun with it. We have our personalities. It's a very diverse group of personalities here that all find a way to mesh very well together, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. But this has been a pleasure, gentlemen, for this season, and we're going to keep it going. We're not done yet. Um, but for one final time on the 2021 season, I do want to remind everybody. You ready for this one? Oh, buddy. <laughs> one more time. One more time. One more time for the 2020 regular season. But Cubs on Tap is the official Cubs podcast of the On Tap Sports Network. You can go ahead and check out all of our great work over at www.ontapsportsnet.com and at On Tap Sportsnet on social media. You can follow the pod specific accounts for here at Cubs on Tap. That is at Cubbies on Tap, C U B B I E S. Uh, that's Twitter and Instagram. I am at Loose on Tap on Twitter. Juice is at Juice on Tap on Twitter. Cody is at Cody on Tap on Twitter. And follow all of our other great contributors at Joe on Tap on Twitter. Notice notice the brand variety we got going on here. At Joe on Tap, at Marty Laval, at The Riot 326, and everybody else that does a great job contributing here for Cubs. Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, they're all getting ready to be in full swing, as we all just noted. Cody, you're very active uh, you know, in the gambling space as well, at On Tap Bets. Want to drop that in there as well. Uh, be sure to be following along for all the winter sports. I'm very heavy on the Blackhawks. As Juice mentioned, he'll be with the Bulls this season. Uh, Cody will be sprinkled in throughout, especially with uh, with gambling. So uh, we'll continue to fade Kansas until the end. Or excuse me, we'll continue. Yeah, we're going to fade yeah, Kansas. Fading the whole season. Kansas until the basketball season. <laughs> fade Kansas until college oh, basketball season. They're 1-14 one in, one in against the spread in their last 15 or 15 games or something like that. There it is. I Perfect. Get, you have All to right. go read my last article. You I will. Fading Kansas. I keep. I keep putting it out there. I keep telling everyone. Keep they, are Kansas. The, they are the worst. The worst college football program. You fade Kansas until Bill Self is on the sidelines coaching <laughs> whoever the hell he paid to come play basketball for their school. There you go. Nice. <laughs> and and you fade UConn as well. And you can catch all of that once again, like we said, over at www.ontapsports.com and at ontapsports and on social media. Like we said, Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, gambling, we've got it all. And, yes, Cubs fans, we all have a friend that's a White Sox fan. You bring them to us, too, because our Sox on Tap guys do a great job, and they have a postseason to cover uh, coming up here as well. So the On Tap Sports Network, go ahead and check out what's on tap. In Chicago ah, Pat Sajak, you're so damn good at that stuff. So <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's the just glued the into my brain. Ronnie Luce on tap.
it's just glued into my brain, man. I think I've said that. I don't. I can't even tell you how many podcasts I've been on since On Tap was started. It's been a lot, though. Sometimes you should just say it backwards. It'd be interesting. Yeah, you know, I can't wait though because in like, try I'm, I'm going to hear it again in like you know a couple weeks because we got off season shows coming up. We I'm, do, I'm and they're going to be fun. Man. They're going to be yeah. fun. We're going to have guests. We're going to be talking about relevant news. Uh, it's going to be a blast. I- I'm actually very. We excited may just have a show that we just do where we talk about aliens. Maybe, perhaps. Perhaps. I've been really pushing for an alien show for a while. I don't know if you noticed. I just want on tap does it on tap aliens. On, on tap after dark will be uh, a new podcast. It's just going to be whatever topics anybody on feels like after dark. Oh. And juice aliens. juice will get his on tap aliens episode, and we'll uh, we'll get that one out of everybody's system. But on tap aliens. On tap aliens. <laughs> we'll talk to we'll talk to the boss man about that one and and and, and see if we can get that added to the aliens uh, on tap. I don't the know the repertoire. <laughs> I like it. I dig it. it uh, no, always good stuff, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah this is fun. Yep. Always a always pleasure. And what do you say, guys? One last time on twenty twenty one, we get out of here. The only way we know how here Cubs on tap. Let's go Cubs. Let's go Cubs. Chargers minus three and a half. I took the under <laughs> fifty one and a half. Fuck the Cardinals. Fuck Matt Carpenter. Fuck Yadier Molina. And fuck anyone who fucking thinks that Yadier Molina is better than fucking Wilson Contreras. Yeah, and fire Matt Nagy too. And fire yeah, Matt Nagy. Too. Justin Fields forever. <laughs> that too. And thank you to everybody for listening. And let's go Cubs.